Morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to sit down today uh, to uh, talk with you about Ecclesiastes because today we're talking about slowing down. And I thought sitting down might actually help me. I want to show you a picture of something. Uh, this is a foil board. Okay, see the wing that comes out of there? I grew up doing all kinds of balance sports. I grew up surfing and skateboarding and skiing both water and snow and snow. I did, just, I did all these. And so a couple years ago, I saw this. Uh, okay, that's, I got the board. And I heard the easiest way is to like go out on the lake and be pulled behind a boat. That's how you can learn. And the thing is, I, man, I couldn't get my, I, my hope was to stand up on it and then eventually go surfing with it and surf waves because it's actually incredible. I, 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 could, I couldn't, I never stood up. I could barely get on my knees on the thing. And I did that for hours, hours. I actually, I spent most of the time laying down because I couldn't even control the board laying down. I think I broke a rib. Uh, really bad. Oh, balance. If you can't get your balance, it's frustrating. Like by the time I did that for hours, I felt like destroying the board, destroying the boat. People in the boat kept like saying things to me and that didn't help. You know what I'm saying? So when you're out of balance, you can't get your balance. Life is just so frustrating. And today we want to talk about balance. Specifically, we want to talk about the power of priorities. Because really what balance is, everybody, is that um, we're having difficulty with a meaning-filled life. So when we don't feel that life has meaning, it's not, we're not full-on meaning or we're half full or we're like really low, then we feel like totally out of balance. So the two are tied together. And somewhere along the line, it has something to do with our priorities. Somewhere we're confused somewhere about priorities. So we're going to talk about the power of priorities, specifically today, not just what the priorities are. Okay, that's, that's nice, what they are. But we need to know why they are. Why are they what they are? Like, what's underneath the surface? What's the why to them? Because that's what's going to have the sticking power, okay? So uh, this amazing book of Ecclesiastes, it's awesome. I've read it for years, but in the past couple years, boy, I, I've just, I've had some things that have helped me understand a lot more, and they've been really, really uh, helpful to me. I'm going to share those in a moment, but I do want to say very informally at the end of this message today, I'm just going to stand right here and do just an informal Q&A. Anybody, no cards, no nothing. Anybody wants to come up and just... Just, I just love this book. It is, it is incredible what I'm just going to be right here and we'll talk about it. So here's something that's really important to know. This is a book that is written specifically mainly to people in their teens and their 20s. So this guy, this teacher, okay, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the teacher is speaking and he's like sharing all this wisdom. And he's talking to a group of people in their teens and their 20s who are being groomed for leadership. And he's saying, look, I, I have realized some things in my life and I want to help you uh, avoid like going after certain things that aren't going to satisfy you. Now you're going to go after them. All I'm trying to do, the teacher is saying here, is to try to like lessen that a little bit. Like maybe we can avoid a few regrets along the way. You're going to have regrets, the teacher is saying, because of our natural inclinations. But we're just going to try to help avoid some of them because we're going to stop and really think. And that's what he's trying to get them to do. He's trying to get them to stop and to think about this a little bit more. So um, Socrates said this, we'll put this up on the screen. It's a famous saying from Socrates, right? The unexamined life is not worth living. You know what's fascinating about Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, is all of these people lived oh, about 100-ish years after 
the teacher in Ecclesiastes. I read a book not too long ago talking about the philosophy of the Hebrew scripture and how there is a direct connection that it gave rise to what we consider the greatest philosophers in history, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato. But actually what came first and what spawned this and you see it represented in their thoughts and in their writings was the philosophy of the Bible. Now, I said this last week. I think the greatest philosophy you'll ever read in your life, my opinion, not mine alone, uh, is the book of Ecclesiastes. It is sensational. So um, it really helped me to know we're speaking to a group in their teens and 20s. That's what's going on. And this is about a life that is radically out of balance. It's a life. No, it starts with meaningless, meaningless. And there's a reason why. Because we are reaching, reaching, reaching for things that won't satisfy us. Look what uh, the, the teacher says in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. He says this. this is really good. We work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. Now, we kind of hinted at this last week. The Hebrew word for soul is appetite. I said it last week. It gullet, gullet, your throat, your stomach. Your soul wants to be fed. It is going to feed. Your soul, which all of us have, wants to feed. Feed, and it's going to feed on something. And here this great teacher said, I just want to help you avoid some things in your diet that aren't going to work because our souls are hungry. And they want to consume. I look for a little more modern day song that really speaks to this. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. So I had to go to an old one. Maybe you can help me out with this. Some of you who are older or some of you just love music and you know this. But there's a guy named Bruce Springsteen called The Boss. Anybody ever heard of him? Let's see if you can finish the last word. Everybody has a hungry. There you go. He says it. And the start, the, boy, the song starts off really sad. Got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack, right up the road. Went for a drive and never came back. And here's the thing with priorities or not having meaning in our life and the fact that our souls are going to consume, they're going to feed, they're looking to feed on something, is that we don't feed them the right things. Not only do we suffer, but what ends up happening is we make people suffer all around us. Now, what did the Rolling Stones say? I can't get... Thank you very much. You guys are great. See? You You know the good old stuff. All right. So we're really, really hungry. And so this teacher is saying, I'm going to do something really unique, not like any other book in the Bible. I'm going to try things out. I'm going to go out and try a bunch of things out. So today, uh, you know, we didn't have this years ago, but today we've got Yelp. We got Google reviews. We got TripAdvisor. You don't go out to a place to eat without first, most of us. And a lot of times you ever been to a place to eat and you didn't do the Google review first and you really regret it. Chris and I did this years ago. This is before like Google and Yelp and all that was a big deal. We went out to eat this place. We thought it had a nice name. She did. It was like from the sound of music, Edelweiss Cafe or something. We walked in and, and we sat down and we saw two, two roaches running along the wall. And uh, Krista turned to say something to, to the person that worked there was behind the counter. And when she turned, the person was stomping. <laughs> Going like this. And uh, Krista just got up and went. She didn't say anything. She said, hey, I'm leaving. Nothing. She just went. She just went, right? So we wish we had Google Review. All right, that's, that's, the, that's the teacher in Ecclesiastes. He's like, I'm going to try all this stuff for you. I'm going to do review, and I'm going to help you avoid some bad food experiences in your life. This is basically what's going on. So it really helped me you know, to understand that. Um, the writer says he tried work, like he worked like crazy, like he was a workaholic. This is why we said last week this could have been, been written by a Washingtonian 
for Washingtonians because we work a lot. Then he says, I'm going to build a bunch of stuff. I'm going to get a lot of education. I'm going to have a lot of food. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to consume a lot of alcohol. I'm going to pour myself into hedonism and I'm going to make a lot of money. He's basically, I'm going to consume a warehouse filled of junk food. And then I'm going to tell you what it was like and how I felt as a result of that. There's no other book in the Bible like that so that you can, so that you can hopefully avoid some of the regrets that we feel in life. Now, food. Why, why are we talking about food? Why is the writer talking about food? The Bible does something very creative, and it's really helpful for us to understand this from the outset, not just in Ecclesiastes, but all over the place. It talks about the Bible like food. Like, like the Bible is food. And that sounds really, really strange. But what it's trying to say to us is the ideas presented us in the Bible, they're like food. So in some places this go ahead and eat. Go ahead. The Bible is sweet to eat. Just, you know, like, no, it's not, it's not telling us to actually physically eat the Bible. Metaphorically, it's doing it in a very powerful way and saying the ideas that God has revealed in the Bible, actually those are the ideas that will satisfy our soul. But it's natural for us to, to look for other things. So uh, in the Jewish community, the tradition is, is that when you begin to study the Bible uh, as a little child, they put a dab of honey on your tongue to emphasize actually, that the Bible is what brings us satisfaction. Now, Jesus emphasizes this very much. Look at what he says, back to back to back in John chapter six, very important chapter in the Bible, John chapter six. Jesus says, don't spend your life chasing food that spoils and rots. Don't do that. Now, Jesus isn't talking about pizza and donuts here. He's talking about the ideas that really come natural to us, that we reach for them, particularly when we're younger, Right? Particularly when we're younger, we reach, reach, reach. It's very natural for us to do that. Then he goes on in John 6, 35, and he makes his famous statement that I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. What's going to happen? You're going to be satisfied. Right? Jesus is not saying, hey, gnaw on my arm and you're going to be satisfied. What he's saying is Jesus, who is called the word of God that's come down from heaven, He's called the wisdom of God that's come down from heaven. He's saying, if we consume these ideas that are basically, and we'll get into this in a moment, that are above the sun, that only God is revealed. Humanity does not reveal these things. There's a, there's a way of life under the sun, like the natural way of humanity. And then there's the ideas that God has revealed. And those ideas are what bring satisfaction to our soul. This is what Jesus is saying. He is the word, as John says. He is the ideas come down fully embodied in Jesus Christ. This is why the Bible says, don't labor in vain, right? Only God can build the house. Now, what does that mean? It means the ideas that are presented to us first in the Bible are the very things that bring satisfaction to our soul. Is that true? We'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Let me, let me say this last thing in John chapter six. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna. All right, so if you know the story of the manna, where the manna come from, came from heaven. It's, it's far more than physical food that sustained them out in the desert. It is the very revelation, the very instruction from Almighty God that's come down. Uh, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Then he says, I'm the living bread. In other words, I am the manna. I am the living bread. I came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, what bread? What I am bringing, what I am embodying, what I stand for. Whoever eats this bread, right, that I give, right? This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. It's going to satisfy. 
This bread is metaphoric for the very ideas that God and God alone has revealed. Now, let's read this verse about under the sun because it comes up constantly. And it's really important to understand what God is saying. If we want to set good priorities and want to know what the right priorities are in our life. So here's what it says. Ecclesiastes 1.3. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? That's how Ecclesiastes began. And this phrase, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, just keeps repeating over and over again. What does that mean? It means there is a way that human beings, and you, you can read throughout human history, is so true, that human beings we naturally think will satisfy us. We naturally incline to reach for it. We will reach for it because we think, oh, that's got to work. That's got to work. And then God came along. It says the word, right? God spoke it. God spoke the very ideas from above the sun, bringing down to us because he loves us so much that will actually satisfy. And until we can distinguish between what is junk food and what is like that soul satisfying superfood, like for our bodies, blueberries, broccoli, that kind of stuff, that's a superfood for your body. But there's a superfood for your soul. Like you can eat a lot of junk food. Some of it has nutritional value. Some of it has no traditional nutrition. You know what I'm saying? You can do the same thing in life for your soul. Your soul is hungry. It's going to feed. What are you going to feed it on? If you don't feed it the right stuff, you will have a life that is not filled with meaning. This is what it means. Hebrews in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10 says, God has presented us in his word through Jesus Christ, a new and a living way. What does that mean? It means it will satisfy. Now, let me just quote one thing to you. All right. Um, this is from a British philosopher. I'm pretty sure he's not a, he's, he's, he's not a, is anybody in Britain a Christian? I, I don't know. Derek, um, maybe he's from Britain. Uh, but this British philosopher is focused, his focus is love. And he wanted to do a deep dive history. He says, nobody has ever done a deep dive history on love. So this is what he came up with. This is what he came up with. If you ask anybody in the West, like anybody in the Western world define love for me. The definition that they will give is the definition that was first, very first, very first introduced to us in the pages of the Bible. This great idea of love and love is what leads to a meaning-filled satisfaction life actually came from the word. This is what the teacher in Ecclesiastes is saying. Please, everybody, if you will just track back the great ideas that actually bring satisfaction, what you'll find, this is what the teacher is saying, they came from above the sun. Now, many people today, most of the city today say, oh, no, no, no. There's, many people in the city might even say there's no good ideas that came from the Bible. But actually, the things that people say that they live for and bring satisfaction actually, according to the teacher in Ecclesiastes, was revealed above the sun, came to us because God loves us so much. And that is what that's what brings us joy. And until we understand the distinction between those two things and how Jesus embodies that, we will forever be out of balance because we can't find meaning. I just want to sum them up for you, all right? Soul satisfying superfoods for life. There are specifically five of them, and they all describe who God is. It's the most repeated verse in the Bible, Exodus chapter 34. There's five things that are listed. Who is God? God is compassion. That's who God is. God is grace. God is patience, loving kindness, and God is faithful to you. God is faithfulness. These are who God is. And if you meditate on these great truths, and in the Bible to meditate on something means not only you're thinking, you're feeding, you're feasting on it, but then you're reacting to it. That leads to a meaning-filled life because that brings satisfaction. It's like superfood to us. 
Do you know, are you embodying, are you living them out? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves, right? Because that is what brings joy to our hearts when we realize that. Now, Isaiah 26.3 really points that out in a great way. Look what it says, Isaiah 26.3. You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, whose mind is meditated on you, on you. Not on what God does, everybody, but on who God is. When you meditate on God's compassion for you, if that's the food that you think about, right? if you meditate on God's patience, God's never-ending patience for you, not God's judgment, not God's rules, who God is, his patience, his loving kindness, those things. If you keep your mind on those things, you'll be in perfect peace. And here's the amazing thing, everybody. We know that is a scientific truth. The data shows that what God's word says, he got originally introduced to us. So am I living with those priorities in mind? Do I understand the why underneath it? Because when you do, that has the sticking power. Now let's talk about junk food for a second. Who likes junk food? Come on now. You guys love junk food. Come on, right? Uh, I love junk food, right? I'm not telling you to stop eating junk food. The teacher here is not telling you to stop eating junk food. Uh, But you just shouldn't have a steady diet of junk food, right? I said last week, I love raw cookie dough, right? The chocolate chip cookie dough. I can't stop. I can't stop it. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Can't stop. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. Love them. They're awesome. Okay, but a steady diet of them is not good. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? And it seems to me, the older you get, uh, junk food, you know, like it just doesn't do it as much as what it did anymore. It makes you really sick. So, all right, so we like, we like junk food. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff. Some of it has a little bit of nutritional value. Some of it has no, I think like a Twinkie. What, it can like survive in outer space for a thousand years or something like that because, well, okay, you, get, you understand what I'm saying. Okay, so the junk food can't have a priority. We need to distinguish what is junk food and what is superfood. This is all I'm after today because this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes, what is junk food and, 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 and what is this heavenly superfood? Why is junk food so tempting for us? Here's really important. Junk food is really tempting to eat because it's cheap. It's easily accessible, isn't it? Just when you're in a hurry, like grab, boom, cookies, boom, just, you know. When we tend to be in a hurry, it's fast, it's cheap, it's easy, and it's quickly accessible. We don't want to take the time to cook a nutritious meal. Are you follow me? So what happens when we're in a big hurry is that we just reach for the things that boom, 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 like that. Okay. This is why it's so tempting. Now, I want to ask you a question. Does anybody here know which city in the United States of America was just voted number one most overworked city? Does anybody know? Okay. okay. You read the article. Are you guessing? Guessing. Guessing. Okay. So anybody read the article? We were just voted number one most overworked city. All right. So what does that mean that we're the number one most overworked city? It means we're in a super big hurry and we're in a super big hurry. We tend to choose a lot of junk food to eat. Now, is that true? Is that having an impact on our life? Here's what we know about DC, the loneliest city in the United States of America. So it is having an impact. So we must be reaching. So this is specific for Washingtonians since we are the most overworked It seems like from the data, we're snacking on a lot of junk food as a steady diet and we're reaching, reaching, reaching. Let me say something else about this. Marriage, 
I, I know not all of us are married. Some of us are married. We're like, why did I get married? And some of us never want to. Okay, whatever, whatever. But marriage is a good, you know, like barometer of where our, where our relationships are. Okay. Let me say a couple things about DC and marriage. We are also number one when it comes to marriage. We're number one, least likely to get married. <laughs> did you know that about this city? We're 70% single. The highest in the United States. We're number one least likely to get married. We're also number one at something else. We're number one most likely to get married the very latest and age-wise in the United States of America. Number one most likely to get married late. Least likely to get married. Number one most likely. One last number one for you. We are number one for the shortest marriages in the United States of America. Now, how do you like that? So we're, we're in a hurry because we're overworked. Are you putting all this together? It's just really good for us to know the whys underneath of this so we can make better decisions about superfood and junk food, okay? So we, we, we've got to know this. I love this quote by the famous psychiatrist Carl Jung. He says, hurry is the devil. That's why I'm sitting down today. Hurry is the devil. So these soul-satisfying superfoods, these soul-satisfying priorities uh, for life, right? They're, 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 they're all slow. Now, I want to talk about junk food for just a moment, all right? What is junk food? We think that if we get a house, if we buy a house, if we get it, somehow get a house in this very expensive real estate market of Washington, D.C., that somehow we're going to be satisfied. Okay, and there are some nutritional values to a house, but basically it is junk food. We know this. It doesn't satisfy. It won't satisfy. We talked about Tom Brady last week. He's got a lot of houses. He's like, is there more? Isn't there more to this than what I have in all these Super Bowls? Okay, so a house is junk food. What else is junk food? Getting a promotion. You should get a promotion. I hope you get a promotion. As long as you understand, as long as you distinguish between superfood and junk food, and a promotion is junk food. It has a very quick hit. You're like, whoa, that was awesome, all right? Swiping, 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 swiping. Don't raise your hand. Anybody do a lot of swiping? Anybody do a lot of swiping? If I just get a date, 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 lots of dates, lots of dates, that's all junk food. It's all junk food. Marriage is junk food. If I could just get married, it's junk food. Won't do it. It just won't do it. A car is junk food. The, a, a phone. Our phones are junk food. They put people in the fMRI scanner to scan their brains. And here's what they found out. They showed people a picture of the person that they said they loved the most. Their, their brain lit up. They, then they showed people their phone. They handed them their phone. And their brain lit up the same way. So we love our phones. We're addicted to our phones. Junk food. Junk food. You want a new gadget? It's all junk food. Okay? TikTok is junk food. Swiping, shopping, surfing, binge. People say to me all the time, I'm so busy. Are you? I'm all, man, I'm so busy. So I just can't believe it. I can't do it all. And then I'll say, hey, dude, did you, did you hear about that new show that just came out on Netflix? Hear about it. I've already watched all of it. It just came out yesterday. It has 10 episodes. <laughs> Binging is junk food. We just need to be realistic about this. Sports. I love sports. It's junk food, okay? We have to call it what it is. When Krista and I um, uh, were, we were living in an apartment uh, many, many, many years ago, there's a BMW dealership across from us. 
And, um, you know, I heard about BMWs and they're great cars. And so one day I just wandered over. I started looking at BMWs. You know what happens when you wander over to a lot. The salesman, I'm like, hey, dude, you know, you're wasting your time on me. There's no way. This dude loved BMWs so much. You got to get in this car. He opens up. Then he's like, you got to drive this car. Man, I got in. I closed the door. I drove it. I fell in love with a BMW. I had to have a BMW. My life would not be complete without a BMW. And I started asking Krista on multiple occasions, can a pastor drive a BMW? Is that okay to drive? a BMW, not here. Like if you want to move to Florida, right? Or Texas, they can drive BMWs as pastor down there because they, they, they just do everything. Right. But, but, but not here. You can't, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got it. a BMW. Everybody is junk food because here's what I know that eventually that high is going to wear off. And I'm going to say like time, Tom Brady, isn't there more to life? This? So we just need to know what is junk food and what is it? Then you need to know this too. Okay. So so particularly, remember, teens and 20s, younger, okay, you can change your appetite. My parents used to like to go out to Chinese food right down the street here when I was a kid in Cherrydale. We'd go out, eat Chinese food. I, as a kid, no way. I'm not eating Chinese food. Strange. So we went there all the time. They just started making me hamburgers, like the people that ran the Chinese. They, so I ate hamburgers. And then one day, I tried a little Chinese food. Just, just, I said, oh, that's not bad. And I tried a little more, a little more. Now I love Chinese food. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You can change your appetite. You know what? If you eat superfoods, if you eat enough, I used to not like blueberries. If you eat enough blueberries and broccoli, you can change your appetite and you can change your appetite for the things that you're reaching for and binging on and swiping and all that stuff. You can change it and then you can feel more satisfied. But when you're in the city, that's the most overworked city where, right? Hurry is the devil, young, psychiatrist, young, then you reach, 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 reach. And we just got to know. We need to know, okay, when I'm reaching for this, I know what I'm reaching for. I'm reaching for junk food. And when I reach for this, I know what I'm reaching for. I'm reaching for food. Okay, listen, here's the thing. Love is slow. That's all there is to it. Junk food's fast. Love is slow. Love, that's it. In this city, we have speed dating. You will never have speed loving. It's not going to happen. Because every, all the superfoods are slow. Compassion is slow. Patience, come on. It's slow. So everything above the sun is slow. Everything under the sun, right, that we do, that we reach for is fast. It's fast. And here's the big distinction, okay? There's a famous verse in the Bible that says, be still, stop going, striving, be still and know that I am God. That's superfood right there. We have to slow down, but it's very natural for this. Now I want to read you something in Ecclesiastes. This is, just look, there's a personal pronoun extravaganza here in these verses. This is what it says. I tried cheering myself with wine. I built houses for who? For myself. I amassed silver and gold for myself. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained. Where? Under the sun. Under the sun. When, when, when I'm in a hurry and I feel empty, naturally under the sun, I think the way for me to get satisfied is to focus on me. But above the sun comes this revelatory, life-changing idea, actually the way to get filled is not focusing on you. Doing for consuming means emptiness is looming. When we are doing in order to consume for ourselves, it means that emptiness is right on the horizon for us. Now, 
I want to finish with this. We need a great teacher. This is what the teacher in Ecclesiastes, all of us needs a great teacher. We're, you ever had a great teacher? You ever had a great teacher? Like, you heard the subject teach before. It's like, I don't understand what's being taught. And then all of a sudden the teacher, a really good teacher, boom, just makes it click. Has anybody had that experience? I have. I have had, okay, three of you have had a great teacher. You really need a great teacher. So we're going to need a great teacher to help this thing stick and stick in a powerful way so that we don't have to live dissatisfied life. We found one found a really great teacher and all of you can have this teacher with you at all times let's roll the clip you can find this great teacher at your local theater did you ever think about dying the teacher talks a lot about dying when you're young you don't think about dying dying is a fantastic teacher Why is it an amazing teacher? Let me read you the verse first. Ecclesiastes chapter seven. The day of death is better than the day of birth. What does that mean? That just sounds like a stupid, depressing statement. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. Dumb, dumb, dumb. What do you do when you're at a big party and you're partying it up? Eat a lot of junk food. Okay. When you go to the house of mourning, when you're around somebody that's closer to death, people who are closer to death have figured out what the superfood to life is. They have. We know this because Harvard has done an 85-year-long study on it. Harvard, everybody. And they say that people who have gotten closer to death, they've figured out what is life's superfoods. And you know what's interesting? It really mirrors what God says the superfood is. They asked Billy Graham, everybody, do you have any regrets do you have any regrets, famous Billy Graham? Do you have any regrets in your life? He's at the end of his life. Here's what he said. He said. I regret that I didn't spend more time with my family. Something about people being older, they get a lot clearer on what's really important. They know what the superfood for your soul is. And we need to listen to them. Now, we don't want to do them. We don't want to be around death. But boy, it's a great teacher. I haven't seen Barbie. Derek told me he saw it last night for the third time. (laughs) I understand that that's the moment. That's the moment. Are you willing to listen to the superfood? Now, the music team is going to come out. Uh, They're going to help me end this service. We want to do something special, okay? They're going to come out. They're going to play a little bit here. You have a three-by-five card. It should be uh, in the seat back pocket in front of you. I want you to do an important exercise, and we're going to close this out, all right? Here's what I really want you to think about. What, in your opinion, are the soul-satisfying superfoods of life? Your opinion, your opinion. What do you think they are? What the, right here. What are the priorities that will satisfy your soul? What are they? Can you just take a moment? It's probably a pretty short list. I'd like you to write them down because then we have a follow-up. And what you write on the front of the card is going to be an important follow-up on the back side of the card. So just start doing that right now. They're going to get tuned up. They're going to play you a little tune. In your opinion... If you don't have a pen, you don't have a card, something like that, you pull pull out your phone. Just don't fall in love with your phone. Okay? This is really important. What are they? In your opinion. In your opinion, what are the things that you think or what have you experienced that will bring you satisfaction? Do that for just take the next 60 seconds. Just do that.
Okay, you can continue to work on that. When you're done with the front side, I just want to tell you what I want you to do with the back side of the card, okay? The band's going to sing. We'd like you just to stay seated and focus on this for just a moment. Remember, the unexamined life is not worth living. You're not going to want to do this if you're younger. You got to fight against that, okay? On the back side of the card, what is your reality? What really gets your time attention, focus, and energy, the best of your time. What is, what's your reality? What's your calendar tell you? So you got on the front, what you know is going to bring satisfaction. What's your reality? Put that on the back. I'm going to pray. You keep working. Okay. Heavenly father, thank you that you reveal above the sun. What the real superfood that will satisfy our souls are. Lord, help us in a city that is so busy and so overworked and is so inclined to reach for junk food. Help us to distinguish what is junk food and what is superfood that we might live a well-balanced, meaning-filled life. In Christ's name, amen.